Welcome to the 26th, the official podcast of the Mecklenburg County Bar. As an MCB member, we know you deserve every possible benefit for your dollar. Our focus is to provide exclusive insight and resources ranging from business development to member spotlights and everything in between. You serve the public. Now let us serve you right here on the 26th. All right, Harrison, how are you doing today, sir? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. We've spent the last five minutes laughing trying to get this started, so it's a pleasure to actually get on the record now. So are you on coronavirus time over there? I see you without a tie. There is no tie. No tie in the office today. Yeah. Has court started back yet? Sort of. It's remote hearings for the most part, and they're kind of fun. Yeah. I don't don't know if anyone's talked to you about the remote hearings, but... No, we haven't. uh, They're cool. It's like this, except with court, so a little bit more formal, and it's fun. I sort of hope that they continue doing it after all the craziness. It really doesn't seem like there's a good reason to not do it. I wouldn't want to do it for like an evidentiary hearing. If I had to, handing things like through the computer would not be... I mean, couldn't you just put it on the screen? Things that you delivered. Yeah, even things that you delivered beforehand, I think there would be some confusion about, you know, okay, Your Honor, now we're going to look at tab two. The other notebook. No, the other... Yes, that notebook. Yes. Okay, tab two. I would think being able to display it on the screen would be the easiest thing of all because then everyone knows for a fact this is what we're looking at. I don't know if they have that capability. Ah. They might. I mean, when we're doing like Zoom calls and stuff, you have that. Yeah, well, I think it's a good idea. I like it. I hope we keep doing it. I don't know that we will. Well, we are here to talk about business development, and the MECBAR tasked me with finding some of the best and the brightest to do that. And I said, well, Harrison is the only person on my list, but we can find seven others. So we'll start out. I want to hear a little bit about your background, You know, how you came to the law, what your early jobs were like, and where you are now. Sure. I grew up a law professor's kid. So I grew up in the basement of old Kivett Hall at Campbell University where the law school used to be. So I used to literally, I would, I would go from elementary school, which was in Bowie's Creek, and I would walk from school to my dad's office. And then my sisters and I would go down in the basement, do homework. And so I literally grew up in a law school. So it was, it, it was always sort of the fallback of, well, if I can't find something else to do, I guess I'll be a lawyer because that seems okay. So that's what I did. So I became a lawyer and uh, came back to North Carolina and clerked for Judge Elmore in the Court of Appeals for a little while and then went and worked for James McElroy and Deal here in Charlotte, which is a great place to learn to practice law. So I went there, worked there for a few years, left, went to Bernhardt and Strasser for a couple of years, and then opened my own shop. What drove that decision to open your own shop? Well, I always kind of wanted to own my own business. That became even more so as I started representing entrepreneurs. It's much more fun to own your own thing, in my view anyway. And it just made sense. Yeah, that resonates with me too as the founder of my company. Um, So what, if anything, in those early years, did you learn about business development? Like during law school or that first job out of law school, was there a focus on business development at that time? So no, law school is terrible for that because in law school, they don't teach you anything about running a business. They teach you about pointing out to business owners all the terrible risks and bad things that could happen and issue spotting and all of that. So law school, no, not even a little bit. And then, of course, my first job out of law school was at the Court of Appeals, where they have more business than they could possibly ever handle. In fact, they should work on business suppression 
but yeah, they don't. But yeah, but so then at James McElroy and Deal, yes, there I really did start learning about it. I was mentored. They do a fantastic job there teaching associates and bringing folks in early in the process. So you know, my first week, I was meeting with clients and with lawyers from the firm and watching how they interacted and watching how they built those relationships. And JMD was spectacular at nurturing that. The folks that I learned from there not only do a great job in business development themselves, but do a great job of training that. So, you know, from day one, you are having those client interactions, you are talking to people and the lawyers, my mentors would talk to me about, well, this is why we're doing it this way. And you know, this is why, yeah, I know that you did a great job and that you didn't spend an ounce of extra time on it. We're going to cut this bill because this particular client really likes that, right? We're going to do it this way in order to make sure that the client knows what's going on and is happy about what's going on. So that was really instilled in me very early on, you know, that process of it's a service industry. And, you know, not only it's not enough to give the best possible product, you also have to make sure that the people that you're producing it for understand why it is the best possible product and understand what's going on. Because although we do this every day and, you know, it's completely routine for us, for most clients, it's not. For most clients, this is their only case. You know, this is potentially the only case they're ever going to have. And so we would really like to explain that and to make it so that the people understand what's happening. Is that a process that you brought into your new firm with you? Oh, definitely. Definitely. I'll give you a good for instance. I was once with John Burek, who is one of my great mentors. I basically followed him around for several years in my law practice. That was my job was what do you do? Well, I, I follow John Burek and do whatever he does. And I remember very clearly once John, we had taken some clients out for dinner and they really wanted to pay. And John was like, nope. And on the car ride home, John looked over at me and he made a point of saying that, you know, these folks are paying us a tremendous amount of money for our input and for our services. And the least that you can do is give them a meal, right? They shouldn't feel like they're getting nickel and dime that not only are they paying you for your time, but also feeding you. And he says, you know, in clients, you know, whether they're rich, poor, or somewhere in the middle, people appreciate the thought of being taken care of. So I've taken that with me ever since. And, you know, when I'm taking out a client or referral search or anybody, I want to make sure that I'm picking up the tab because people do appreciate that and it makes a difference. So right now you're in a small firm. It's you and just an associate, right? That's right. Right. And you have a paralegal. So have you formalized any training program for business development in your firm yet? We haven't. You know, it, it's just two of us. And so there's no real need for formality. And I think that a lot of formal training, I think, is very good for a lot of things. At least for me, I learned the most by watching other people do it and by doing it. And so I think that for, particularly for small firms, but just across the board, even when I was at JMD, you know, the things I learned, the best lessons that I ever got weren't the result of, you know, a formalized process, but we're just sitting and talking and listening and watching and doing. And so that's what I've tried to do with my firm. And I, I think it's working pretty well. Now, one of the things that I was most excited about talking to you about was community involvement, because I'm relatively certain that's why every single lawyer in the state of North Carolina knows who you are, is because you seem to be everywhere at one time. So, A, how are you pulling that off? But 
also for someone listening who is maybe not so great at getting out in the community, not involving themselves in organizations, what advice would you give to somebody to start that process? Well, first of all, I'm, I'm not everywhere. I say no to a lot. And I think it's important to be able to say no. The process that I typically follow in terms of what I do and don't do is, you know, can I do a good job at this? Do I have the bandwidth to not only show up, but show up and be actively engaged and do a good job with it? And if the answer is no, then you should just say no. Sometimes that doesn't work. Sometimes you tell people, I can't do a good job of this. I don't have the time. And their answer is, we don't care. Just show up, please. You don't have to do anything else. Just show up to the meeting, show up to the whatever. And usually, depending on what it is, if someone puts it that way, I'll say, fine, and I'll show up. But I don't think that's, a, that, that's the best practice for it. I think that, again, have that internal dialogue of, you know, if I'm involved in this, will I do a good job? Will I actually be productive in what I'm doing? And I think that has to be the first question you ask. In terms of how to get involved, uh, again, give so much credit to James McElroy and Deal. When I was a baby lawyer, they let me be involved in all the things. And they actively supported me being involved in the Young Lawyers Division, in particular, of, of the North Carolina Bar Association. And so, you know, I still had to do all the work. I still had to get everything done. But when I was gone for a full day, you know, people knew why I was gone and what I was doing. And that was fine. And so I think that's really important to find an organization or the self-discipline to carve out that time to be involved. In terms of how to get involved, whether it is the State Bar Association, but whatever it is, in my experience, if you show up and do a good job, volunteer organizations really want volunteers, right? And so all you have to do is express the slightest bit of interest to the powers that be of the organization that you're involved with. And you will instantly be more involved. And if you showed us a little bit of competence on top of interest, you will not only be more involved, but they will draw you in and take as much of, of your time as they possibly can because they want engaged volunteers. So very, very easy to get involved. You know, doing a good job of that while also practicing law requires some time management. Sure. Now, I know from talking to you in the past that you really don't like framing things uh, transactionally. But what would you tell someone who is on the fence as to whether to get themselves out there in the community? What is the benefit to them in their practice of community involvement and involvement in organizations? So you're right. I mean, from my perspective, it's not transactional, right? And you shouldn't get involved in something that you don't care about because that's going to show. That goes back to that first you know, internal dialogue of, will I do a good job at this? And chances are, if you really just don't give a darn about it, you're not going to do a good job about it. That's going to come through. So the first thing is be involved in something that you care about for its own sake, right? When people do things for quote unquote business development, A, it comes off as insincere, right? And B, it comes off as salesy, right? Everyone knows the guy who shows up to meetings, wanders around, looks for the most important person in the room, hands out his business card and you know, tells everybody his elevator pitch. That guy is there to sell himself, right? That guy is there for business development. And it's a very serious networking thing for him, right? And the chance of me ever calling that guy for anything are slim to none because that's not why I was there. Uh, if you show up, on the other hand, and you're engaged in what's happening there, people will recognize that you care about that thing. People will recognize that you're there for the right reasons. And they'll actually get to know you. And that's the benefit, right? 
I mean, that's what you're hoping for is to find a group of people that you know and that know you. And that, I think, in terms of, to your question, what, what is the benefit? What do you get out of it? You get a network of people that hopefully know and like you and trust you and think that you're good at what you do. And that is invaluable. Again, you're right. I don't think it's productive to phrase things in that transactional way. I know that I am instantly put off by that. And I think that a lot of people are like me and don't like being sold to at all. And there are exceptions too, right? I mean, there, there's, you know, I, I laugh about this. Someone asked me how I picked the guy that does my firm's retirement plan. And the answer is I knew this guy and, and he, he and I did have a, a outside of work relationship, right? Like our kids went to the same things for many years. So I knew him and was friendly with him, but he happened to call me to actively sell something to me, right? He was calling me to tell me, you know, this is what I do. I know that you've got this firm that you started a while ago. I don't know if you've got this set up. And his timing was impeccable, right? And when he called me, I was like, oh yeah, I definitely need a retirement plan set up. Oh, you do that? Fantastic, do that for me. I didn't shop around. I have no idea. I could be paying far too many fees. I have no idea, right? Because that's not what I do. But he called me at the right time. But the reason that it worked, had he just been some random schlub calling me, I probably would not have been so quick to be like, oh, you do the thing that was on my desk that I was supposed to do? Yeah, handle that for me. I probably wouldn't have but he had already formed that relationship with me. And so when he made his pitch, it, was, it wasn't even a pitch. It was like, hey, have you thought about this? And my answer was, it's actually on my to-do list right now. Now it's on your to-do list. You're hired. Go do the thing. Set it up. Tell me what it costs and I'll handle it, right? Again, no one likes being sold to, but if people have a need and they know that you do it and that you do it well and you happen to be there, they'll hire you for it. Yeah, I think that's a really good story because it demonstrates really a core tenet of what community involvement and involvement in organizations can do for you if you put in the time and effort. Other than just enjoying the work that you're doing, it's going to give you notoriety. It's going to put you out there. It's going to connect you with other people. And the more that you are in front of other people, the more that you connect with other people, the more they're going to know you, like you, and trust you, and the more that they're going to be willing to refer business to you. But when they have a specific need, like the one that was laying on your desk, now he happened to call you at the right moment, which is very fortuitous for him. But if you had just seen him the day before and then that was on your desk or maybe if somebody asked you a question, do you know someone who does retirement planning? Top of mind. And that's the kind of thing that right. it's going to do for you is it's going to generate that network of people that are then going to remember you and they know you like you and trust you and are going to be far more likely to either do business with you or send business to you. That's right. That's exactly right. And it's important to realize too, you know, we're talking about community involvement. That doesn't necessarily mean, it can mean being on a committee, right? It can mean being involved in active, well-organized organization. But it could also be as simple as, you know, some of, some of the folks that refer me business and that I refer business to, I coached little kids soccer with them, right? Like that's how I know them, is that our kids played soccer together. And we, when we coached this, you know, the little micro tiny children running around after a ball team. And that had nothing to do with the law. It had nothing to do with anything. It had to do with, with five-year-olds, right? But I got to know them that way. And, and so, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily say the only things that are worth doing are through the bar or, you know, fancy government program. Yeah, it's whatever you do, just show up and be pleasant. Nice. That's a good pull quote from the episode. Just show up and be pleasant. I like that. So are you mindful of making time for networking and business development? Like, is that when you're making a schedule, are you mindful of like, I do need to get out there and do these things? 
So yes to the first part. I am very mindful of maintaining relationships and mindful of the fact that you've got to keep the funnel full, right? You've got to make sure that you are spending the time to do the marketing, to get out there, do the things, right? In terms of scheduling for it, in some ways, yes. You know, in terms of bar work is a great example of something that I actually schedule for, right? Because there's a schedule to be followed. If you're serving on a committee, it is important to make it to the committee meetings. And I try really, really hard to do that with varying degrees of success. But if I've agreed to be on a committee, I'm going to try and show up for the meetings. If I can, I'm going to try to show up in person for the meetings. That's just not possible. I'll try and call in for the meetings. In terms of sort of the soft marketing, which I will tell you is, in my view, the best marketing. No, I don't carve out time. I don't schedule that time. That time is spent. It's with my friends, right? Right. I mean, that is, uh, it does double duty for me. I get to see my, my friends and spend time with them. But it's, it's also, quote unquote, marketing, right? Because my friends are disproportionately lawyers. And so, you know, I want to catch up with them. I want to know how things are going with them. But it also doubles as marketing because it also they're lawyers in the community and they are referral sources and they're people that that are great people to know. So there's a little bit of both, but mine tends to be more organic and less planned. Gotcha. Now, on average, how much time per week would you say that you spend on business development activities? Sure. Well, let me back up because I think that the answer is different for me now than it was for me 10 years ago. Okay. I think that now so much of what I do is in fact business development of one stripe or another, right? And when we're talking about, you know, business development, what does that mean? So an example that I use in my practice is talking to my clients, right? And a lot of people will say, well, that's not business development. That's you doing business. And I disagree entirely because if it were me doing business, they would get a bill, right? And for a lot of the time that I spend talking to my clients, I am not billing them for that time. And that's a conscious decision that I make because I want my clients to call me with the new question that they have. I want my clients to call me when they have a concern or when it's about something that I definitely, definitely do not do. And they know I don't do it, but they still call me, right? And so I'll spend an hour or two on the phone with existing clients about something that I know will never, ever result in business for me. And that is marketing time well spent, right? Because it it means that I continue to be the person that they call with those questions. And whereas that hour, hour and a half of time talking about whatever it is that's going on with them is not going to result in business for me then and there, it will result in business for me when they call me back the next time and it is something that I do. And I try really, really hard to make sure. And a lot of times it's hard because you know, a client will call me about something that I am handling for them, right? And that's clearly billable and I'm billing for that time. And then at the end of the conversation, they sort of segue into this other unrelated thing that is clearly not related to the matter I'm handling for them. It's clearly not related to a matter that I'm going to handle for them. And oftentimes I'll actually say to my client, hold on, hold on a second. I need to stop the clock. Like I need to just write down when we stop talking about this thing because I want to bill you for this, but I, I want to keep talking. So There's a lot of that kind of time in my practice now. There's a lot of time that I spend, you know, there's that, I think it was a book or something, you know, Never Eat Alone. Sure. I don't know if it was a book, but it sounds like it was a book. Yeah, you're right. So so if I'm 
if I'm eating, right? If I'm going somewhere to eat lunch, for instance, I try very hard to do that with someone, right? A lot of times I eat you know, a package of almonds at my desk and that's lunch, right? I power through lunch and keep on working. But if I'm going to take an actual break for lunch, I try really hard to make that be with someone else. You know, that could be Kevin in my office. Kevin and me, you know, sometimes we'll go out as an office to go and have lunch together, which I think is valuable. And I think is, is a kind of marketing. But, you know, oftentimes it'll be, you know, you or any one of a number of my friends that we go out and have a bite to eat together. And that is, again, is it marketing? Kind of, right? But it's also seeing my friends and it's making sure that I'm maintaining my relationships with people. And then there's sort of the community involvement organizational type marketing, which is its own separate thing, which has more to do with time constraints, right? Has more to do with, am I available to do this thing? You know, how important is it that I do this thing? So I try really hard, for instance, the Mecklenburg Bars small firm section, I try really hard to make those, those meetings. I try really hard to show up when they have an event because that's a group of people and it's an organization that I care about. And I feel like I really need to do that. When I get invited to like random networking things, if I'm available and it's possible that I do it, I'll do it. But you know, I'm not going to force that into my schedule. So from a week-to-week standpoint, so much of it depends on what else is going on in my life, you know, whether it's an organization or a group that's really important to me and so forth. That's the answer now. Sure. Right? And I told you that the answer 10 years ago was very different. So the answer 10 years ago was much more of a, a more of a conscious decision. And part of that was that I was much less in control of my own schedule 10 years ago. Right. Right. And so when you are a young lawyer and you are trying to build that network, it's harder to carve out that time because you are less in control of your schedule. I had young kids, you know, I needed to be home at, you know, dinner time, right? You know, whenever dinner was happening, I needed to be there. And then I needed to be there not only for dinner, but then for after dinner and baths and bedtime. And then I would often go back into the office. And so finding and carving out the time then was much harder and required much more scheduling. And as a result, then it happened much more I had two basic things that I did when I was a young lawyer, right? I had bar activities and I had family activities and I had work. And those were the, really the only three things that I did. And so, you know, coaching micro soccer was something that I did on Sundays. Every Sunday that was happening, right? And I knew that. That was on my schedule. And, you know, bar activities were one of the nice things about the bar is that it's made up of lawyers. Everybody schedules everything so far out in advance that you really have no excuse for not being able to make it if you said you would, right? So that would be on the calendar and I coordinate that with my wife. And of course, you know, working, I would be doing a lot of that. But it left no wiggle room for the other stuff, for sort of the soft marketing stuff. There was just no other time. And so I think that, you know, as you get older, as you get more control over your schedule, you can do the marketing in a less formalized way. Does that make sense? It does. And what I'm taking away from that is that it is an intensely, even from the beginning up until now, it's still an intensely important part of running your practice is making that time for the business development. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. All right. We're going to take a quick break to hear about one of the many benefits afforded to Mecklenburg County Bar members. Hi, I'm Greg Hicks, and I'm the director of digital media here at the Mecklenburg County Bar. Thank you so much for listening to The 26. You know, as staff, we want to do our best to make sure that you get the most out of being an MCB member. 
So that's why in addition to this podcast, MCB members are eligible to reserve meeting and event space here at the Barn Foundation Center during normal business hours. You can head to mechbar.org slash benefits to see all that the MCB offers, and we hope to hear from you soon. All right, Harrison, in light of the pandemic, how have you pivoted your business development strategies? You were talking earlier about keeping that funnel full. What are you doing now to try to maintain your relationships, to try to develop new business? So it's hard now, right? But the good news is that it's hard for everybody. So it's not, it's not like I'm the only hermit, right? It's not like everybody else is still going about their normal daily lives except for me. And so the difference now is that you haven't had a meal with someone, not a blood relative of mine in I don't know how long. It's been a very, very long time. You can't go anywhere. You can't do anything. And so, you know, some of it is, you know, my poker group, which is disproportionately lawyers, but not all lawyers, but my poker group, you know, we're playing now, but we play online. And we actually have been playing more than we use. Usually it's a once a month thing. And now we're playing like once every few weeks because one of the guys in the group would be like, hey, anybody want to play poker this week? And, and of course, we're all sitting around at home. So got, we're all like, got nothing else to do. <laughs> yeah, why not? So in that sense, you know, that sort of thing is easy. And, you know, people are doing all the Zoom calls and the Zoom happy hours and you know, you're catching up with old friends. I don't think it's as good, no. to be honest. Like, I, I, there's nothing like sitting across from the table from somebody and breaking bread together, right? Like, and I say that largely because I'm a fat kid and I love eating, right? Like, I just, I, I love to eat. So that's part of it. But it's also, I mean, I think it's hardwired in people that it's important to share meals with one another. And you can't do that. But... You know, you can still email with folks. You can still text with folks. You can still call with folks. You can still video chat with folks. And so those those options are still available to you. You know, I know that the Mecklenburg Bar has been doing some video chat meetings. I know the small firm section has been doing that as their monthly meetings. I've been going to those. Same with the North Carolina Bar Association. You know, they're having a series of Zoom calls, which are pretty good. I don't think Zoom is a great medium for for interacting, really. I mean, it's better, you can see people, which is nice, but it's not as easy, definitely harder. It's been interesting to me to watch other people doing you know, their marketing, right? So like, I've been hearing from some people that I never hear from, right? I see them around every now and then, but I never hear from them in any sort of like an email, formal call. Like there've been a few people that have just picked up the phone and been like, hey, how you doing? And it's been nice, right? Like, like it's sort of out of the blue. I'm doing great. How are you doing? Right? We chat for a little while and and I'm pretty sure that they're looking to form those connections that they're that's what they're and I've not done a good job of that. Right? I've not done a good job of just randomly reaching out to people. But yeah, I try to remember birthdays and birthdays continue to happen. So yeah, when my friends are having birthdays, I try to remember to reach out to them and say, "Hey, happy birthday." Right? And it's not any sort of real like super engaged like I'm networking. It's just wishing someone a happy birthday. But again, it's keeping in touch with people. Yeah, and people like that. Yeah, I mean, everybody likes a birthday. Yeah, of course. And I mean, for anybody that cares, mine is on June 19th. I think this will be coming out before then, so feel free to reach out. All right. So is there any technology that you're using to assist in your business development efforts? I know that you're not, you know, super into the technology, but is there anything you're using to keep up with your business development efforts? I'm a Luddite. I'm basically out there smashing looms. No, right? That's the answer is no. For over a year when, when my practice, when I 
first started my law firm and had money in the bank to do it, I spent money on internet marketing and on SEO and all that stuff. And yeah, I tried to track it and I did not a great job of tracking it because it's hard to track. And at the end, my analysis was, if there's a return on this investment, I don't see it, right? And so I stopped. And I think that is probably very dependent on the, on the kind of practice that you have. You know, if you're marketing to people, you know, to consumers, I think that probably makes much, much more sense for you to do. I'm by and large not. I'm marketing to businesses by and large, right? In my experience, there's no better referral source than my colleagues at the bar. Just none. No one gives me as many referrals. Nobody gives me the same quality of referrals. Nothing as good as just being friends with lawyers. And so for me, that, that's the clear answer. And the problem with technology is, you know, some people do a very good job with newsletters, right? That's they are just great with the newsletters. And some people blog and some people, you know, have the fancy internet pop-up things. And I don't have any of that stuff because A, I don't like it. Some, and B, I don't understand and it. Some people do the podcasting. The podcasting I hear is the best thing to do. <laughs> if you're going to do something, that is the thing. So for me, it, it really does come down to, you know, I have a calendar. That's technology of a sort. There you go. Right? I'm um, sure it connects to your so, phone so, and your computer. Yeah. Tells you where to be. Um, and, and, I use, and I use that stuff. But no, for me, it really does come down to the personal connections, the talking with people, the eating with people. Eric Mazzoni at the State Bar Association, who is now, he has a new title now, but he used to be in charge of the, the Center for Practice Management. And... When he was, it was right around when I was starting my own firm. And I asked him, you know, am I, am I supposed to be blogging? Is that, is that something I'm supposed to do? And he laughed at me and he gave me one of the best pieces of advice I ever got, which was, do you enjoy blogging? No? Well, then why would you do that? Like, don't do the things that you hate because you won't, we won't do them very long because you hate them, right? He says, you know, if you enjoy taking people out to meals, you should do that. That should be the thing. That, and I was like, I do love meals. Um, Sold. So... That is my marketing, is I talk to people and I eat with them. So earlier you were discussing the value of a particular mentor that you had. That was one of the questions that I wanted to talk to you about was for somebody who has not gotten out into the world and maybe hasn't acquired any mentors yet, what's the the value in having a mentor? But also, I don't think that people really understand how to go about acquiring a mentor as well. Okay. Yeah. So I think it's important to realize that mentors come in all different shapes and sizes, right? And like most people are not going to have, you know, if you have one person and that is like, like your mentor and he's the person that taught you everything, you know, consider yourself very lucky and maybe also broaden your horizons a little bit and look for some other mentors, right? Because chances are no one person is going to be the person that knows everything. But so, like I said before, I was very, very lucky because I was raised as a lawyer at James McElroy and Deal, and I had lots of mentors there. I had lots of folks that I would go to for advice. And, you know, because I'm me, and I think this way, like there were different people that I would go for different things and different people that I would know. If I want to do something that would get me in trouble, I would go to some partners, not others. And those partners would be like, yeah, that sounds like a great plan. You should definitely do that. And then I would just sort of file that away in my back pocket. So in case somebody yelled at me for doing something that I was pretty sure was a bad plan. Well, you know, I talked to the other partner and they told me it was fine. 
But there are also partners that I go to when I knew that something was a terrible idea that I really wanted to do it, but it was definitely not a good idea. I would go and I would talk to mostly to John Arrowwood and I'd say, hey, judge, this is what I'm thinking of doing. He'd be like, no, you cannot do that thing. And I'd be like, ah, all right. So it's definitely a bad idea. Like not even a little bit. And he'd be like, no, that was a terrible idea. Don't do that. And then I wouldn't do that thing. Right. So it's important to have multiple streams of mentorship, right? You know, the people that I talk to about business development are not necessarily the people that I talk to about the mechanics of practicing law. There's a lot of overlap. And, you know, it tends to be that the folks that I go to and respect their opinions are also really excellent at the lawyering as well. But, you know, as you go through life, you're going to find people that know things you don't. And those people, if you let them, will mentor you and they will teach you about those things. And some of them will be very old and some of them will not be not nearly so old. And some of them will be much younger than you are. You and I have joked about the fact that I regularly go to people that clearly know more about technology than I do, for instance, and I ask them questions. But the irony is that there are people who come to me and they ask me questions about technology because compared to them, I know a lot about technology. So I joke with Kevin in my office about this all the time. And I tease him because he's a millennial. And I tell him that I need him to millennial something for me because... I just have no interest in learning how a system works. And I just want him to explain it to me. I want to know who these people that are asking you to help them plug in their VCRs are. <laughs> oh, well, that's not nice. They are, they are not using VCRs, <laughs> right? They're asking me questions about like practice management. And, and, and to be fair, like Luddite though I am, I, I do embrace the use of technology. When this whole pandemic thing happened, you know, my entire practice is on a laptop. Like right. I can do everything from my laptop, my phone, I've got systems in place. I use them. They work really well. It's when you ask me to go outside of my comfort zone of the things that I've already figured out how to do that I'm oftentimes my response is, oh no, I'm not interested in that. Thank you. But back to mentoring, I guess the point is, is that there are going to be different kinds of mentors in different situations. Again, if you get involved in something, almost certainly there's some institutional memory there, right? Almost certainly there's someone who has done that thing before and you can talk to that person and they will teach you. And you just have to be open to it. The formal mentoring process that takes place at firms like James McElroy and Deal is great, right? And it's invaluable. But so many people just don't have that option, right? Whether they're not at a firm that does that or it's not enough to just rely on those formal avenues. You know, the BARS mentorship program, great program. It's not everything, right? There are always new places to learn and new places to go. And when you find someone that you have a good relationship with that knows more than you do about a thing, they want to teach you, right? They want to show you. And all you have to do is just be willing to listen and boom, you've got a mentor, right? So, I mean, it could be as simple as, as just, you know, I do this less now than I used to, but I used to go to court when I would be in court and would have the time to do it. I'd sit around afterwards. You know, I'd turn off the clock sit around and, and if there was someone that had a reputation for being very good or someone that I'd seen before and was very good or whatever it was, I'd sit and I'd watch them in court. I still do that now, like maybe a year or so ago. I'm trying to remember who it was. There was a trial lawyer. He was having a trial. And I'd, I had had a hearing not last nearly as long as I thought it was going to. And so I had some extra time in my day. I went into the trial and sat down and watched. It was great. I mean, it was just, he was very good. And that person doesn't even know that they're like, like he's not, he's not a mentor to me. Like he's, I don't know that he knows who I am, right? But he's an excellent trial lawyer and I learned a lot watching him. 
if I'd had the opportunity, I would have thanked him that day. He was still, I had to go back to work, but he was still you know, in his trial. So I never got to talk to him about it. But I think that, that you know, mentors are everywhere. And, you know, for business development in particular, it doesn't have to be a lawyer, right? I mean, some of the best business development mentoring I've gotten has been from clients who are entrepreneurs. I may have told you this, I'm sure I've told you this story before, but one of my longtime clients, he's been a client of mine nearly as long as I've been a lawyer, once was asking me to do some, some work for him. And I told him I didn't really do that. And he says, Harrison, I've started and run many businesses. You're doing this wrong. When someone wants to pay you to do a thing, you should say yes, right? Like you should, you should figure out how to do it after the fact, but like, I really want to pay you to do this for me. You should say yes. And you know, he's a really, really good entrepreneur. He's really good at what he does. And I've learned a lot, both from being his lawyer, but also from being his friend. So you can find mentors everywhere. Sure. Sure. In the entrepreneurship community, I've heard people say, sell it before you build it. Uh, that's right. <laughs> that's a scary thought Harder for me. with but, law. Right, yeah. Sure. I think there is a, a, you need a minimal competence level as a lawyer. <laughs> is, isn't that what passing the bar exam is? <laughs> no, I don't think it is. For the good folks at Lawyers Mutual, I do not do that. <laughs> <laughs> I won't keep you here all day, man. This has been a great conversation. But one of the things, we touched on this a little bit earlier, but do you have a specific process or a way that you're keeping up with maintaining relationships with former clients? Because I know that former clients can be some of the best referral sources that we can get because they've worked with you, they know you, they like you, they trust you. And if somebody has a problem, you want to be the first person that they think of. That's an area that I should be better at. So yes, I have, I make a conscious effort to keep in touch with clients former clients, current clients, all clients, right? I think that, that that touch is important. I wish that I did a better job of that because I think there's definitely room for improvement there. But it can be as simple as, you know, when, when you see something that relates to their company or them, LinkedIn is a great place for this, right? You know, if someone who hired me got a promotion and is now, you know, senior vice president and assistant general counsel as opposed to, you know, their earlier, you know, in-house counsel role, whatever it is. Like I'm going to make, if I see that, I'm going to make a point of congratulating them. If they get some award, I'm going to make a point of reaching out to them. And part of that's because I'm happy for them. Part of that's because I want them to remember that I'm a nice guy and that they liked working with me. But then beyond that, we talked about this a little bit earlier, right? Just picking up the phone and not having every phone call be a transaction is important, right? And so whether it's a current client or a former client, I mean, when my former clients call me, I'm thrilled to hear from them, right? And some of them, it's because I've gotten to know them really well over the years. Some of them is because, you know, even if I only did one case with them, if it takes three years, you know, and, and eight depositions where I'm flying all over the country with them, you get to know people, right? But even the ones where it's been like, you know, where I handled a small matter for them several years ago, it's just nice to hear from folks. And I think that that comes through. And I think that people, people like to be remembered. They like to be recognized. And if you do a good job of that, they'll be happy when you talk with them. All right, Harrison, I've asked you a lot of questions today. Is there anything that I didn't ask that you think is important? We sort of touched on it earlier, but I think it bears emphasis. It's important that you market to people the way that they want to be marketed to, right? And I think that that goes beyond, beyond just finding you know the magazines that they read or the websites that they visit, right? I think it goes to people want to buy things they don't want to be sold to, right? And so 
one of the things that, that I have tried really hard in my practice to do is to be very transparent about my fee structures, right? And to be very open to new fee structures when clients want them. And so when you have someone, it goes back to my client talking to me years ago, when you have someone who wants you to do a thing, like they're going to tell you what they want if you let them, right? And so it doesn't seem like marketing because at that point, they're already telling you what it is that they want, but it's very much marketing because at that point, they're saying what would be their thing that they want. And you need to figure out a way to give that to them. And so much of that just comes down to listening, not, not just, you know, these are all the things that I do and look at all the fancy things I have on the wall. But more than that, like understanding that, okay, I'm hearing you loud and clear. You want this to be done. You want to pay for it this way. You want someone who's going to, you know, pay attention to this issue and not bother you about that issue. I can do that, right? Or here's why I can't do that, but here's what I can do. I think it's really important to meet people where they are and to, to not be so focused on whatever process you're following for your marketing that you miss what people are actually looking for. Well said. Well, Harrison, this has been an incredibly valuable bit of time that we spent together. I feel like we're pushing an hour now, so I'm going to let you get out of here. But I really appreciate it. You know, on personally, I appreciate it in behalf of the entire Mecklenburg County Bar. We appreciate it as well. Well, thanks for having me. This has been fun. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening to this episode of The 26th. Head to mechbar.org to hear more from this podcast, suggest future topics, and review member resources. 